I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to my big break here on the VOC Nation Network. I am Jerry Strauss, and this is where we talk about your favorite superstars from the world of pro wrestling and the journeys that they took to become your favorite superstars in the world of pro wrestling. We've got one here with us this week, somebody that, uh, you know, we've we've all loved for a long time. We know her, we love her, we'll never forget her, and she's here. Uh, hello, 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 Candice Michelle. Hi, honey. Thank you so much for having me on today. So great to talk to you. Um, especially great, not just because you're you and because we love you, uh, you're of, you know, your history, your journey, unique to you, but also, you know, part of your journey, inescapably, is that you came to wrestling superstardom. You came to WWE uh, through something that we like to talk about to this very day called the Diva Search. And, I mean, this is something that is still being debated about, the, the pros, the cons, what it did to the industry. And it's going to be so cool not to talk to somebody who has an opinion about it, but somebody who actually went through it, the real mm-hmm. deal. Um, but before we get there, you know, I want to go back to the beginning with you because okay. a lot of people I don't think realize that you grew up in, in Milwaukee. You come from Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point in the life of a young Milwaukeean does <laughs> the idea of going into the entertainment world come to mind? Because you're not exactly in the hub at that point, right? Yeah, so it really happened pretty much in my senior year, maybe in my junior year of high school. 
I remember wanting to go to this modeling school. It was called John Robert Powers. It was, I don't know if they exist anymore, but it was a pretty basic, uh, familiar chain of modeling schools. But in Wisconsin, it was probably the only thing, only option we had. And I remember looking it up and calling and just the tuition was, you know, I didn't come from money. I was never deprived as a child, but this was something that was not even an option for me. And so I was working at a roller skating rink and I was going to high school and I was like one of the basketball stars. And I'll never forget this moment because I got this opportunity to audition, like kind of like a diva search in a way. It was this beauty contest that randomly the roller skating rink that I worked at was holding this competition and whoever would win would win a scholarship to go to John Robert Powers modeling school. So I thought, well, this is fantastic. And we did like the bikini, uh, the gown, the interview, you know, ask the question. Well, it came down to a tie of me and my arch enemy out of all people. <laughs> and this was my arch enemy because of a boy, like most arch enemies in those days or, you know, when you're that age. Mm-hmm. And I remember the owner of the agency said, well, since we're at a roller skating rink, why don't we have them do a skate-off? Now, we're both skaters. You know, those cool skaters on Venice Beach that do all these dance moves and all this stuff? Oh, yeah. We were super into skating. So we're both like, okay, cool. So we're going out to the skating rink. Everybody's watching, and it's just me and her on the skating rink. And she decides to bring her best friend and do a partnership skate. Now, anytime you get a partner, you can do more moves. You know, you can twirl together. It looks cooler. It's like, you know, in sync. I was just like, okay. And I was kind of feeling a little down in my head, but I was just doing my thing. But that was actually what sealed the deal for the agency for me to win because I did it by myself. Like, I was the brave one that didn't need a partner in that skate. And so it ended up working to my benefit. I went to this modeling school. And it's my senior year of high school, and I'm also very competitive in basketball. And so a scout comes to a game, and I'm going to be offered a college scholarship for basketball. And I was also offered at the same time from a modeling agency to go to New York and be scouted by agents all over the country, from New York and Miami, Los Angeles, all the big places, Chicago. And so it's like this turning point in my life already where I was like, Am I going to go to college for basketball or am I going to go to this event and miss that opportunity for a career in this industry? And I just thought to myself, nothing against the WNBA, but I just didn't see that as my future. You know, I thought I don't envision that being my dream. And so I ended up going to this modeling competition, which ended up stealing some agents in Los Angeles. And I moved out to Los Angeles shortly after high school. You know, there's a there's an alternate universe somewhere out there in the galaxy where you actually become a like a pro circus skater and you're doing yeah. the most unbelievable tricks and you're going viral and that's what you're known for. Think what could have been. <laughs> it, it's funny is I love my days as roller skating and when I came to California, it's actually one of the things I'm so homesick for that first year. It was really a difficult year. But the one time I felt at home is going to Venice Beach and I met those skaters and we do our skating thing on the weekend. And it was that that little bit of love that you get from, from loving something the same as somebody else that actually pushed me through that first year. 
<laughs> so I, I could be in that galaxy someday. <laughs> There's always time. There's always time. Um, now, my, you've still got a lot going on. You know, you go to college, but you still have both modeling and acting calling you clearly. And you start to have success in both categories, right? Because you're getting – inevitably, you get to the point where you're getting TV parts. You're studying acting. Um, you're also doing some things with modeling. Is that um, an intuitive thing? Like, is is it tough to be able to balance the focus that you need for both of those things to try to, to gain ground and find success when you're doing both at the same time? Or, or do they actually help each other? Well, it wasn't quite exactly how you explained it. So I actually decided to move to Los Angeles and go for that dream. So college, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to the game where the coach was going to be there for the scholarship. So I came out to Los Angeles really focusing on that. There was a time when I went to a city college for almost two years, but it was like just because, you know, I grew up in that time frame where that's kind of what you were supposed to do, you know? And then when you get low on your career and you're not having big breaks, you're like, Maybe I'm supposed to do that too. And so it's just kind of figuring out myself in, in that time frame. But really my focus was all about the industry and it was just putting in the work, right? Putting in the training, time after time, audition, audition, photo shoot, photo shoot, you know, and then slowly it would start to gain a little traction. You get a little role and you're like, oh, great, I'm doing it. And then weeks of auditioning, auditioning, waitressing, waitressing, you know, um, I was really a professional waitress at the time. But that's how you pave your way in this industry, and that's exactly what I was doing. Is it, you know, for those of us who've never lived in that atmosphere before, is it as thick with uh, hopeful actors as people think it is, you know, where everybody that you're working with, every waiter, every waitress, everybody uh, has a has a, an 8 by 10 and a resume and is trying to get their next gig? Yeah, it is actually you know, probably worse than what you think. You know, you probably think it's less because you see it in the movies or you downplay it a little bit, but it's cutthroat. It's a really cutthroat industry. It takes a special kind of determination. You know, you really got to get used to being okay with rejection because you get rejected day in and day out. And so it's a brutal business. Even my waitressing job, I had to give them a headshot with a resume for my waitressing job on Sunset. You know, it wasn't like you just go in and, like, have a job interview. It's really pretty much, hey, you got the looks to work on Sunset. So no matter what you did out here or do out here now, you know, it's cutthroat. It's a hard industry. You know, you have to really, really love it and really want it. Where did the the idea or just the news that there was going to be this diva search, this casting call, which now – this is the first major diva search that the WWE ever did. So mm-hmm. there was no way to know exactly what this thing was going to be or what to expect. When did that first get on your radar? Well, I had a very uh, popular agency out here for my modeling gig. So usually he called me for the photo shoots, you know, a lot of the magazine covers, all those kinds of auditions. And I'll, I'll never forget this day either because it was another one of those turning points for me. He calls and this audition felt very weird for him. You know, he's like, okay, so you know the WWE? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, they're having like this contest, but the winner's going to get $100,000 in a one-year contract. Do you want to audition? Like he was more excited about 
getting 10% of the winnings than what this weird, you know, contest was. It was different for him too, right? And for me, I was just like, whoa. Like when I watched that as a kid, like religiously watched it. Like I grew up on it. It was what I did with my stepdad every Monday night. You know, my mom would be yelling at us. I had the Hulk Hogan doll, not the Barbie doll. And to think that that could come full circle, like, hey, wait, I just left Wisconsin and now I'm in Los Angeles and I could actually be a wrestler. Like for me, they were really superstars. You know, they, this wasn't a job you could train for or become this. I never heard of an indie scene or wrestling school. Like I was so into really like the dreamland and the, the characters and how they made you believe in your dreams. That was really what hooked me on it. It wasn't like a possibility that you could be that. So that was a really cool moment. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm interested. Like, this is like the job for me. Like, let's do it, you know? What was your, I mean, I guess at that point, without even dipping your toe into the world yet, what kind of did you envision for yourself if you were to win this contest, be a part of WWE? Because there was no roadmap for the divas or, you know, were you going to, I mean, in your eyes, you know, there had been like Sonny, who was essentially a, a you know, a big personality that was very popular. Um, and then there were female wrestlers and there wasn't a lot in between. Like, did you see, did you think that your destiny may just be to get in there and become like a hard, a hardcore, you know, serious athlete? Or were you looking more at the entertainment aspect? Like what part did of wrestling did you like, I guess, and want to kind of fit that mold of? Yeah, so for me, it was um, a whole new path, right? And I think for WWE, too, it was a, it's a whole new beginning. There wasn't a path I was following. I was just following my energy for it. I knew I was an athlete already uh, from my, you know, past years, and I knew I wanted to be in this acting world. So I thought this was the best of both worlds. But mostly for me, like, once I, after the Diva Search contest, and you start getting a taste for what this business is, like, when I signed my contract, I 100% knew I'd be the champion. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I signed for. It took me years, years of work and years of training, you know, but I was there for that. I wasn't, they hired me for eye candy. They hired me for entertainment to pretty up the business and to do you know, all these fluff matches. And we work our butts off to try to put the wrestling and the athleticism into those matches. And so for me, I always say, you know, you only don't get your dream if you give up on it, right? And so that was my work, the time I had to put in to make that happen. But that was always my goal the entire time I was there. What would you say your experience was through the the trial process, through the audition process, uh, first of all, as far as everyone kind of around you, because big casting calls, uh, you know, probably a hot ticket, I'd have to imagine, in town. You know, everyone's interested in being considered for this thing. Did you find that there were a lot of people around you who shared your passion, or was it a lot of people just kind of looking to get their faces on TV and looking to just be entertainment and score that money? I think a lot of them were looking at it as entertainment. I knew a lot of them. Uh, this was normal for us to be 
you know, in a room full of beautiful women auditioning for one spot, you know, wasn't new to any of us. We were all so familiar with this and knew most of us were going to get cut and we knew there was only one winner. I think after that, though, like a lot of the women that went on from that did grow a passion for it. But I don't think it was their initial, you know, destination to be a wrestler. It's like, okay, you're here, you're getting your feet wet, you're seeing how this all works. And then it's like, yeah, I want to do that. And then the same thing, all those women that, you know, went on, they had to put that work in, you know, it's all about putting the work in. And if you're willing to do that, and there was a lot of them who weren't. You know, some of them that just wanted to be there for that role and they got cut really fast. And that was the difference between those who stayed and those who didn't. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, You were not chosen to be one of the finalists for this initial contest, but you got hired. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting path for you. Uh, How did that go down? actually, because, you know, obviously they saw something in you, maybe not for this contest, but something bigger and better for down the road. Yeah, I remember getting cut, and I remember it was really hard for me because, you know, I get used to being cut. I I know, like, sometimes, and even for this, I still believe this, you know, they have a certain path that they want for the winner, right? They have a certain vision on where they're going to take this and look. Just like any other audition, you know, maybe they're looking for a blonde or somebody that's more muscular or somebody more skinny or somebody taller or funnier, you know, like, so that part of it I got. The part that was hard for me is like, I just knew I was meant for this role, you know, and so when you get cut and you can't put that together, it's kind of like, it it was hard. It, It was a hard hit for me not to get that. So when I did get called back, that was awesome. And then, you know, looking back now, you're like, oh, like Chrissy Hammy was so perfect for that role. Like she was incredible. You know, she was every, like that wouldn't have played out like that with me. Like my character, my type, my look, everything. It's not what that vision was about. And so I don't take it hard now, but in the moment, you don't see all of that. You know, you got to go through it before you can realize it. Yeah. I mean, that it, it's it's got to be an incredible low before the high. How long mm-hmm. of a time gap was there between the time you were cut and the time they came back around to you? You know, I feel like it was a couple months. I can't really remember, but I, I do know they finished the Divas contest. So I don't remember. How, I think I was like seven or eight that got cut, I believe. And so they had to finish that cutting, then they had the big wow, you know, Christy won, and then after that is when they kind of called back a few people and started to test people out to see if they were the right material for the contract. And then I was backstage one day, and then that's when I got offered the contract. So you, um, you were, you were still kind of trying to be around as much as possible, I would imagine, and trying to stay in people's minds. Uh, you know, you had you had not given up on this at all clearly you were very much at least mentally emotionally and spiritually 
still focused on this as a path that you were eventually destined to go on. Yeah, but still, even at that time, you know, I, I didn't know about wrestling school or any of that still, you know, like even if there was a time gap, like I didn't really know how that was going to happen. I just knew it was going to happen or it should happen, you know, and worrying or feeling like, why didn't that happen? Why wasn't that my path? But I was so green and naive to any other way into this business that I'm grateful it came around full circle that way. Absolutely. Now, you know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about just how the wrestling world in general now looks at the era of the divas in general. At that time, when this whole thing is first kicking off, and now all of a sudden there's, uh, you know, an influx of women coming into WWE who are not from a, a wrestling background. This is kind of a new ball game, especially, in, you know, as far as the quantity um, of women that were coming in at one time, kind of changing the game, I guess, a little bit. I, I would think, uh, as far as the atmosphere goes in the locker room or backstage, um, mm-hmm. what was the reception like for you coming in? Did you feel like there were some angry eyes looking at you when you when you got there? <laughs> yeah, there we, we got both. To be honest, you know, um, from people who paved the way in a wrestling school in the indie scene, they did not like that. We were just kind of to them. It's like, we're just walking into this business and you know, it's been handed to us. Then there's other people like say Victoria, you know, she's just as sweet as gold. And she's like, hi, come in. And you know, like best friends since the first day. And then there's just so much learning, you know, when you go to a wrestling school, you learn that you should walk in and shake everybody's hand. But for me, coming from Hollywood, like to interrupt, say, Shawn Michaels eating his meal, that doesn't seem respectful to me. And then if you don't, other people are like, you didn't shake his hand. And I'm like, the man is eating, you know? Um, and so it was always this hard moment of, Wow, am I, you know, learning everything, every aspect of this business, which has been so grateful for me to learn for who it's created me into today. But when you're new and you're not told those things, you know, you can feel like a real a-hole sometimes or really nervous sometimes. Um, there was people that, you know, was really hard to work with and some that made it just a dream to show up and and have and so it balanced out and you work through all of that stuff but you gotta learn real fast otherwise your time is going to be up real fast (laughs) booby traps everywhere yes did um did you feel like handling those things or maybe dealing with some of the people who were giving you a harder time you feel there were those who were better at it those who are worse at it and where did you fall into that equation I think I've always just been really authentic on who I am. You know, I I never mean to step on people's toes. I'm just a respectful person. But at the same time, like, I don't take shit from people either. Like, you know, if you want to walk all over me, it's like game on. Not game on like, oh, we're catty. Like, I never, even in high school, I never did that catty stuff. Like, if you're going to talk about me, it means that I'm more important to you than you are to yourself. As I kind of always looked at it that way. But, you know, I, I just think I'm good at handling myself. I'm respectful. Um, I'm authentic. I'm real. And, you know, when you show up like that, eventually people see that. 
you know, maybe they don't see it on the first time they see you. And some people just judge a book by its cover. And a lot of people did, especially at, at our age at that time, you know. And so you just got to keep showing up. You know, you show up and you show who you are and then people will realize that really fast. You um, Do you think, you know, you talked about Christy Hemi. Um, and, you know, this was the first of several diva searches. Do you feel like not winning or not being one of the finalists, not being pigeonholed in whatever idea they may have had predetermined for you on TV, do you feel that was a blessing, you know, both on screen, really, and behind the scenes where were you kind of maybe not targeted as much or looked down upon as much just because you weren't at least one of those who were getting this immediate stardom by being on TV like they were? I mean, I never really look at things about being pigeonholed. I, I feel like you got to be strong enough to pave your own way. You know, there's, I mean, you know of all the dirt sheets. I mean, they, they talk shit about me no matter what. You know, she bought some of She's too skinny. She's too fat. She's, she's too pretty today. She's too ugly. She can't. Now she can wrestle. You know, it's like, um, I don't let people write my own story, if that makes sense. And I don't think that that role of winning was meant for me. I don't think I could have done it justice that way Christy did. I think she was perfect for that. Uh, to this day, she's a dear friend of mine. I think when you win something like that, you get launched really fast. And there's pros and cons to that, you know, where I was sitting more in the pre-tapes or in the behind the scenes doing not much of anything, dreaming of, training for these matches and having these moments, but it gave me something to look forward to. It, it started to teach me that I wanted it and that I had to work for that. And it's hard being launched into it the way she was, you know, she didn't have the proper training and now she's in it faster. Um, she's responsible for this huge role that people work years to achieve and how to handle that, you know? So I think there's pros and cons each way, and it just creates your story and your journey, and you get to learn and grow in different ways, and I think that's the universe that you were talking about that gives what you need to you, and you got to make good of it. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, if you look at the whole body of work of the Diva Search, and even if you extend it to Tough Enough and the people who came from that uh, competition, it's a really interesting study, uh, you know, the success of those who – uh, were a finalist or who won the competition, it's not necessarily parallel with who went further in the business. And so it's always interesting, I think, to kind of see who kind of had the freedom, like you're talking about, to flourish without worrying about the expectations and without mm -hmm. caring about whether people are trying to pigeonhole you because you have that freedom to do so. Um, we talked a little bit about the legacy of the diva search and really mm -hmm. the whole diva era, if you will. I mean, there was, there was a, like a week or two ago, there was a debate going on on social media um, involving somebody who was uh, from the diva search, and it was sort of a back and forth about what that term diva means. And there was a thought that it's disrespectful in a way, and this is an interesting perspective, that they have eradicated the Divas Championship. They've eradicated the term diva in, in general over the past few mm -hmm. years. You know, most people feel like it's a it's a positive evolution, but there are those who say, you know what, that's kind of throwing all of the hard work and all the effort and all the success that you guys had from that era under the bus. 
So where do you stand on that? Well, I personally prefer the women's championship uh, over the Divas. I feel like that wasn't as powerful of a move in WWE. Like the women's champion was just, not just because that's the one I won, but it just meant so much history behind it. You know, so much depth and growth and continuing a legacy. But I don't look at the Divas Championship as being as di- diminishing people. And I think it really comes into, you know, are these women athletes or are they just really beautiful women? And I think what WWE was trying to say is, hey, they're both. And that's what we we're fighting for, right? We're like, hey, you can be pretty and you can be athletic. You can do both of these things versus just either be the eye candy or you have to be you know, really huge and muscular and more manly to wrestle. And so it it, it is a transition. I, I don't think the name of the title, the design of that title wasn't my favorite. You know, bringing that women's championship back is was really, I think, appropriate, especially where the women are today. They're incredibly beautiful. I don't think there's anybody on that roster that I wouldn't say is beautiful and talented and incredible athletes and so it's just an evolution of developing you know and even companies develop they're like okay this is changing so let's make it this oh no no, no let's change it to this oh, no, no, you know like and life just kind of goes on that journey so I don't think it's negative I think it's progress and I think that's a beautiful thing for women in this industry absolutely absolutely and Candace, it's been so great to talk to you I know you're short on time but I, I want to ask you, you one more one more question um your journey is such success, you know, such inspiration. And it's so great to talk to you and get a better idea of your mindset and sort of the passion that fueled you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, all the way to the point where you were in this position to be a superstar that people are still, let's face it, still worshiping uh, WWE Network and beyond all the, you know, all this time later and will continue to do so. What did you learn? from your journey to WWE to get to that point and then fight your way through that system to, to become the champion, to achieve that goal, that dream, that destiny that you that you had in your heart all that time. What did you learn that you now apply to all these other amazing things that you've accomplished since then? Because you just keep going and going and going. The main thing I learned is a quote that I created. I love it. It speaks to who I am and what I believe and what I learned is champs train, losers complain. And it's that simple. Like if there's something you want, you got to put in the work. You've got to hit that mat over and over and over and over again. And you build up that callus and you grow and you learn. I mean, every, like, I, I legit, there's not one dream or one thing that I've ever wanted that I've never got. Because the only way I don't get it is if I give up on it. But people look at things and they're like, ah, that was given to her. No, nothing is ever given. It's all training. And it's doing those same rituals and standards and values day in and day out. It's why winning the 24-7 championship was so special to me. It's because you guys don't see what I've been doing for the past decade. You know, for all you know, I've just been sitting on the couch, or maybe I'm a mom, which is the hardest job, but I'm doing so much more. Like, I'm creating programs, and I'm, I'm coaching people, but it's all about going after your dreams, and you got to put in the work. 
But I didn't like that word work. Like most people don't like work. When you say, I got to go to work, it's like negative. Sure. But training is pretty awesome. You know, when you're like, man, I'm training for this marathon or I'm training to win this title or I'm training every day of my life to be the best mom I can be because every day I fail. And what I learned in WWE is like, I failed so much. I mean, these jerseys love to post how much I failed, but it's my best quality because I grew more than everybody else. Like I learn from it more. And I tell my kids to this day, I say, hey, did you fail this week? And at first when I started that journey with them, they were like, oh, no, 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 I didn't fail. And I'm like, well, then you didn't try hard enough. Hmm. You know, if you're not failing, you're not growing. You're not getting better. My one daughter is a, a gymnast, a very high-level gymnast. And when she fails, it hurts. I'm like, good. Did you learn something? Heck, yeah, she did. You know what? Okay, now you know what not to do. But if you don't grow and you don't fail and you don't create a relationship with those values, you'll never get to your dreams. But I just see so much in life, like people give up on those dreams when they're so close to getting them. You know, they're like, uh, I guess I just, I'm not good enough. I don't got what it takes. I'm like, well, if that's your attitude, you won't get it, you know? So I just believe in the training. I believe in putting in the work. I work harder than everybody else. I'll show up first. I'll leave last. I'll over-deliver. And those are values and standards that I do everything by. And that's what gets you through it. Ah, oh, one more thing. This is kind of cool. I just realized this other thing that I'm going to add to this. Okay. What I was so good at in WWE is getting the crap beat out of me. I was really good at that. You know, like, everybody, like, brags about their comeback or their finishing move or, you know, their athleticism or their jumping height. Not me. I was really good at selling somebody else. I could put my opponent over like a million bucks. And if I can make them look good, it makes the match look good. And that stuff lasts a lifetime, like being mentioned by Beth Phoenix and Tori Wilson with the Hall of Fame. Like, that's almost better than me being in the Hall of Fame. When somebody says, hey, you had a piece in my career that put me over so much to put me in this special place. Now, that's pretty awesome. And that's what I'm really good at. I'm really good at taking the hits and the bumps and the training and making my dreams come true. And that's what I do now. I just try to teach people that, you know, and, and give them a new way of thinking in their lives. That's awesome. And you're trying Sorry, I got, I got a little fired up there. Oh, <laughs> I'm fired up now, too. I think I'm going to go <laughs> find a 5K somewhere. And yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, uh, I, I think we're all fired up now. That, yeah. this, is, this is what you do. Why, why don't you, um, you know, I don't know exactly – what you want to point people to, but people need to see more and hear more of you and more of this in your message. Uh, for people who want to do that, where can you point them to to see what you've got going on and, and check out some, some things that you've done beyond the wrestling ring? Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, CandaceMichelle.com has all my stuff, so it's easy to find where I'm at. But we just launched this new show, my husband and I, called The Good Champs. And I'm really passionate about this because with the pandemic, I started coaching programs. I built them. They're great. They're awesome. They're affordable for everybody. But then the pandemic hit and I had to be a homeschool mom and so much more. And I was trying to find my way through helping them find their way. 
sure. And I realized that with this show, it's, it's called The Good Champ. It's a chance for people to get to know who I am now, who, who I've been training to become for this last decade that they haven't seen me in the ring. It's a different kind of ring. But I, I teach people on all of my principles, my standards, my rituals, my values, all through story. And it's free. You know, it's on YouTube. It's just an opportunity for people, if you're down in the dumps, to know that there's a place to get lifted up, you know, and just building this federation of like-minded people who like to train their asses off. You know, like, you'll know if this show's for you or not. You know, like, I- I'm not really like, hey, hi, you know, let me, this is an counseling session. It's like, all right, let's get to work. You ready to work? You want to get out of that slump? Let's go. Like, we're charging after our dreams full flesh. And it's just what I do. So I love to be able to serve people with it because it fills my cup to be able to do what I love. And so I hope people check it out. Awesome. Awesome. It definitely will. I, I think I may do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Terry, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank no you. Problem. Thank you. And thank you All guys right, honey. for checking us out again here on The Big Break. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. This is a sister, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at nine. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stroh Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm, and you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On wrestling with problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Best discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.